Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. You know, you guys just won state. First of all, what's running through your mind right now? You know, the journey's finally over. You know, my last high school game, and it took me four years to uh, finally get the state championship. I just want to cherish it. to the Lakers Legacy, where by the end of this show, we will henceforth be known as the Lonzo Legacy Podcast, because any prevailing doubts any of us here on the LLP may have had leading into our interview with our very special guest, well, let's just say they were spoken into pure unexistence. And man, have we got a show for you guys. This particular episode is just straight fire. It's it's pure litness, and I'm going to try my best to get out of the way as quick as possible because I don't want to debase the high-quality value of this episode because it definitely speaks for itself. And that's, by and large, due in part to our very special guest today because he really brought the fire. And by guest, I'm talking about Lonzo Ball's old Chino Hills high school coach, Coach Steve Bake, is on here with us today, and we'll get to that in just a second. You guys are in for a treat. Coach Bake was extremely candid and did not hold back on any prevalent anecdotes or tidbits on Lonzo Ball's life. You do not want to skip around when you listen to this episode. Just ingest the whole thing because I edited nothing out. So yeah, I'll turn it over in just a second. But before that, I wanted to remind everyone to please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. We are just a few followers away from 1,000, and it would be really cool to get that achievement in conjunction with the release of this great episode, and definitely before the actual NBA draft as well. Also, please rate and review us on iTunes, because the more you rate and review us, the more jersey undershirts Lakers fans will be wearing next year under their number two jerseys in order to commemorate the distinct on-court fashion sense of their newest favorite Laker, Lonzo Ball. 
So yeah, please rate and review us on iTunes, especially if you appreciate the great draft content we've been pumping out the last few weeks. You know, we don't get paid to do this at all. We currently don't have a Patreon asking for fan donations, and it would definitely mean a lot to at least get any sort of positive feedback and appreciation in the form of some five-star rating ratings and reviews on iTunes. They help the exposure of our show a lot, and it's really simple to do. Just open up your podcast app on your iPhone, search our show, hit review, and five-star away. It will go a long way in getting you guys more high-quality content and more frequent shows in the future. Okay, that's it. So with all that house-cleaning stuff out of the way, please catch us on the turn with our interview with former Chino Hills basketball coach and Lonzo Ball's former coach, Coach Steve Bake. Come on, would, you, would it be nice for you to be able to stay in L.A.? Most definitely. You know, all my family's out here. You know, it'll be a blessing to play in front of all of them. But at the same time, you know, making it to the league was my dream. Uh, from day one, so whatever team picks me up, I'll be. Happy. I mean, do we have the hit picture of him in, in the Lakers jersey? There we go. Hey, See, hey, that would be so pretty nice. good. It would look good. And he, he got Jack behind him. Right, exactly. <laughs> hey, coach, how's it going? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. No, yeah. Thank Thanks you for, for joining, joining us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I guess the cool part about all this is that we all hail from, we come from the city of Arcadia, California, and I don't know if you know this coach, but uh-huh. back in 2006, when I was a senior, you know, I believe Alan and Tommy were juniors. Uh, Alan and I were actually part of Allies, the Christian club on campus. And I believe, wow. I remember you a couple of times being part of our meetings and sessions. I think you were our faculty leader, were you not? Yeah, that, I definitely <laughs> recall those days. Those were good days. Yeah, <laughs> those were fun days. Yep. Yeah, and even Tommy has a slight connection with you. I don't know, Tommy, if you want to jump in here. You coached the team in 2007, right? The varsity basketball team? Right, 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 right. Okay. On so in two thousand seven, that was our senior year of high school. I was on Apache News and I and I covered sports. So I okay. definitely at some point I'm very, very likely that I interviewed you at some point after one of your games. No, I remember uh Apache News was uh, you know, big time the way you guys did things. It, it was uh, you know, I have been at several different high schools and uh I've never seen uh, you know, you know, something of that caliber, you know, at any high school. So that was that was really, really cool. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. So, yeah, it's kind of yeah. cool to kind of have this uh, random Arcadia reunion. reunion catch yeah. it. Right, right, right. <laughs> did you go to Arcadia High School, too, by the way? I did. You know, wow. I went, I graduated in 96. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uh, younger sister went and uh, and my younger brother. Oh, that's awesome. So, our, yeah, our whole family, yep, it's heavenly fair. That's great. Okay, so today we have the honor and privilege to have former Chino Hills basketball coach, the 2015-16 All-USA Boys Basketball Coach of the Year, and former coach of soon-to-be basketball superstar Lonzo Ball, Steve Bake, on with us to talk all things basketball and all things ball. During <laughs> during the 2015-16 season, Coach Bake and Lonzo Ball led Chino Hills to a perfect season and to the CIF State Open Division title against De La Salle. Um, I guess what makes this interview all the more special to us is the fact that all of us here on this podcast hail from Arcadia High School in Arcadia, California. And when I was a senior at AHS and Tommy and Alan were juniors, Coach Bake was the coach of our Arcadia High School Apache basketball team. So in a weird, unique way... 
this is some sort of AHS Apache reunion and homecoming of sorts, and we're about to do a hail alma mater in just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But Coach Bake, thank you for being with us. How are you doing? And how does it feel knowing that just last year in November, I celebrated my 10-year high school reunion with Arcadia? Wow, that's (laughs) awesome. Time flies, huh? (laughs) Um, No, no, you know what? Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, you know, it's a pleasure. I, I hear great things about the show and you guys, and so it's it's an honor being on. And, uh, you know, just knowing that we have uh, uh, some history together, you know, that makes it that much more special. Yeah, definitely. So before we get started, Coach, um, if you wanted to plug your social media handle or any other projects you have going <laughs> on, please do so. I, I Also, if you want to tell us an update of what you're currently doing right now, that would be great. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, social media, I don't really do too much. I do have a Twitter account, Coach Bake. I, I don't even know how you, you know, uh, you know, uh, say the name of it, but it's something Coach Bake. And then social media, I just, you know, kind of have a, a, a little following on uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook. So um, not that big of a deal for me. Right now I'm coaching uh, at Fairfax High School. Mm. Uh, the legendary school down in uh, LA, um, you know, right after Chino Hills, I, uh, I actually, uh, decided to stop coaching mm. and, um, you know, my wife and I had a newborn and we had at that time a four-year-old and, uh, we, we just realized we wanted to invest in the family, uh, sure. uh, a lot more because, you know, I was at that time, uh, I finished my ninth year at Chino Hills and we just, for some reason, kept moving further away from Chino Hills. And we ended up, you know, about 38 miles from Chino Hills. Um, and so the commute was really getting to me and being that, you know, I had more responsibilities at home, you know, I decided to, um, you know, stop coaching after that year. Um, and so after I did, you know, I, I, I had no idea what I was going to get into. Uh, just hoping for something closer to home. And uh, Harvey Katani at Fairfax found out that um, I had resigned and called me. And so, uh, you know, a couple of options here and there kind of came up. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, we felt that uh, Fairfax was too good of an opportunity to pass up. Um, And so, you know, it's half the distance and, you know, being in L.A., it was kind of my dream school when I started off coaching mm-hmm. uh, to be at. And so, you know, um, I love it. The kids there, the faculty, uh, the pride and tradition at, you know, Fairfax, you know, just speaks for itself. And uh, sure. I'm just honored to be there. No, that's awesome. And, you know, family first, as they say, and that's good that you're able to kind of meld the two, you know, in terms of your passion and then family as well. Right. Um, before we delve into the Lonzo Ball stuff, Coach, I just wanted to ask you for, I guess, a quick elevator pitch of your career thus far, how you got here and how your experience has been, I guess, traversing through a career in coaching basketball and as an Asian American, Korean American, no less. Right. You know, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, there's a, a journey uh, for sure. Uh, one, you know, uh, significant thing is that, you know, because I am Asian American and there's not too many Asian American uh, at that time when I was playing. Um, uh, there weren't too many, you know, Asian Americans playing, and uh, there weren't too many, you know, coaching. So there, it was a very uh, uh, significant journey, you know, uh, for me. In that, you know, when I played, uh, you know, I experienced a lot of, you know, um, 
resistance, you know, surprisingly for my parents, because, you know, they have this stereotype that I should become a, a doctor or lawyer, right. you know, so I, uh, for some reason, you know, never, ever, ever, uh, was attracted to that. And, um, you know, I, I played all different types of sports growing up. And, you know, at that time, uh, I, I really liked tennis as well. And Michael Chang at that time was doing well. And, you know, he was, uh, Asian American, you know, doing really well, um, in, in, in the world of tennis. So, uh, I try to follow after him and I actually was pretty good at it. And, I just had a little moment when I was in eighth grade where I was on the uh, tennis courts playing and I decided to just, you know, prior to that, devote, you know, everything to tennis. And at that moment, I just remember at Live Oak Park, I just uh, didn't have that love for it. So I dropped the tennis racket, walked over to the basketball court and resumed, you know, my pursuit in basketball. Nice. Uh, and so from there... I just said, whatever it takes, I'm just going to, you know, um, I'm just going to go after it. And so from there, uh, I experienced some success at Arcadia High School, um, was able to earn a, a basketball scholarship to Westmont College in Santa Barbara. And then from there, um, you know, uh, really just learned about the game of basketball. I, ha I was, you know, fortunate enough to have a great high school coach in Don Grant. And then uh, my college coach was uh, John Moore um, and just people that, you know, you don't know too much about, but they really know the game and really care about people. And so those were my initial, you know, uh, coaches that I looked up to. And during that journey, um, when I was a freshman at Westmont, we were uh, about ready to play Cal State LA and Coach Moore was, uh, you know, we were in a meeting and he was uh, talking to us about uh, Cal State LA's coach. And his name was Dave Yanai, a Japanese American. And um, he was, you know, just mentioning how great of a coach he was, all of his achievements. And it was uh, definitely uh, interesting, you know, pregame talk because usually you talk about the, the opponents, the players, not the coach, you know. And so, he just had to express how much appreciation and respect he had for him. So, you know, when we got onto the court and, you know, witnessing, you know, another Asian American involved in the game, you know, was really inspiring to me. And that, that was uh, the beginning of my relationship with Dave and I. Uh, you know, we played them, you know, all four years of my career there. And then after we uh, connected and, He's been a college mentor of mine, and the significance of uh, significance of uh, Dave and I is that he um, he is a Pete Newell disciple. Mm -hmm. So you know Pete Newell, you know many people consider as uh, you know um, the greatest basketball mind ever. Um, you know, guy that coached at uh, um, Cal and went head to head with John Wooden, and then was a Lakers general manager back then. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and so, you know, just to be able to learn from a guy that learned from, you know, Pete Newell was so, you know, special and significant for me as a young coach. And, um, you know, that kind of, you know, uh, we still have that relationship. He still comes to our games and helps, helps us with practice. Uh, you know, what's interesting is that um, 
when Lonzo was a freshman, I called Dave and I said, um, Coach, I got, I got, I have a special player. I think you need to come check out. And so he makes the trip all the way from Gardena to Chino Hills. Mm-hmm. And um, that first practice, you know, he just said, hey, I, I, I think you're right. I think you have something in Lonzo. Um, and he goes, uh, he, I, I have a, a trip to Duke coming up in about a week. And he, I guess he's a, at that time it, uh, was a basketball consultant for all these different, you know, uh, colleges. So he goes, uh, I'm going to tell Mike about him. And I'm thinking to myself, who the heck, who, who, who the heck is Mike? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, later, you know, realize he's talking about Coach K, you know. Yeah. And so uh, that was like the first, you know, moment where we really realized that we have a special player, you know, in Lonzo. And, uh, you know, I, at that point, I was so excited that we could potentially have a kid going to Duke, right. you know, to play for Coach K. So so I guess we can uh, jump off of that point in terms of like your first impressions of Lonzo. And I guess when did your guys' relationship begin? Was it literally from his freshman year on? And including your first impressions of him, I guess, what at what point did you realize like you had a very special player on your hands and what indicated you to that and what made you think, oh man, this is someone that could definitely take it to the next level outside of obviously, you know, someone saying that I'm going to call Coach K for yourself, like observing what were some key indicators? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I had a uh, a youth camp in the summer and, uh, you know, we had kids come and sign up and all of a sudden I see this big six six you know 300 pound gentleman and a tall you know his wife coming in with his three little boys and Lonzo at that time was you know uh, a sixth grader uh Leangelo was a fifth grader and uh Mella was in second grade and wow you know you know they they stood out obviously because you know Mello was this cute little you know ball player at being so so small he was so skilled, you know, and, uh, you know, we put him in these groups and had these, you know, just put him through, you know, normal, you know, uh, camp drills and they excelled. And then we put him in this full court, uh, game. And that's when it just like took off for Lonzo. I just, I remember this play, you know, like if it was just yesterday where, you know, he, he either got the rebound or the outlet, and he's pushing this ball, and he throws this full-court bounce pass, mm. you know, uh, with perfect timing and touch. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know. At that moment, I just realized, okay, this kid is going to be about at least 6'6", because the mom's like 6'1", <laughs> dad's like 6'6", and this kid is making plays like, you know, if he was an NBA veteran already, I'm like, at that moment, I have an NBA player on my hands, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so obviously, you know, you know, we, you, you, as a coach, you, you have these predictions, you know, with all sorts of different players, you know, um, like we had a kid named YC Gal. I don't know if you guys remember back. I remember now. YC, <laughs> you know, YC, you know, we had as a freshman and, you know, he was like six, two as an incoming freshman. And you're thinking, okay, this kid's going to be 6'6", six, six. okay, you know, he's going to be a Division One player, but I don't think he ever made it to 6'6". Six, six, yeah, know? yeah. And so, uh, you know, so these little predictions sometimes, 
don't end up the way you want them. I was going to say it was super Asian of you to look at the dad's height, the mom's height, multiply it together, divide it by whatever and say like, oh, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, you know, I calculated that formula in my head real <laughs> quick. <laughs> and so, you know, that that was the uh, the result and uh, my hot hypothesis came true, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> it was, um, you know, year by year. Uh, and I'll tell I'll tell you this. Yeah. The key ingredient, in my opinion, uh, right now, was their passion. The 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 whole entire family's passion for the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. And I was a guy that just uh, you know was very passionate and um, try to bring this passion to Arcadia. And, you know, it was it was a struggle, you know, at times because, you know, yeah. people have different interests. And so when I uh, finally met a group of, or actually a family with the same level of passion, it just right there was like, this is a dream come true. You know, we can do something with this. And, uh, and so uh, that was the biggest uh, indicator for me that, they were going to be successful. That's awesome. And you know, all of us here on this podcast, Alan, me and Tommy can attest to the fact that marching band was a bigger thing in Arcadia High School <laughs> than sports because we were all in marching band. Alan was the drum major, actually. That is uh, big. For a, yeah, for a good two years. Well, you know about passion, right? But it happened to be in a you know, band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So Alan actually has a question more about Lonzo's intangibles. And I just wanted to say real quick before he gets on that, you know, that your description of that first bounce pass you saw Lonzo ball make, it's kind of giving me goosebumps right now. So it's kind of cool. But uh, Alan, take it away with uh, your question. All right, cool. So, uh, you know, Lonzo seems like he's a pretty soft-spoken person. Um, how would you describe his general demeanor on the court as a leader, as well as in the locker room and off the court as well. Absolutely, you know, uh, you know, he's he's a guy that's not gonna be outspoken uh, initially. You know, he's a guy that really wants to lead by example, and um, you know, to me, you know, actions definitely speak louder than you know words, and and so he he's a guy that you know believes in that, and um, so initially. Even though you don't see him really vocal, even as a freshman, it was amazing how uh, he could still communicate uh, effectively with guys that he never played with. So, you know, here we are, um, you know, his first uh, summer, uh, first game uh, in high school, which happened to be in the summer, you know, we were struggling without, you know, um, our seniors. They were all at different types of camps or whatever. And, um, you know, we lost our first four games in the summer. And uh, by the time school had ended um, and by the time that sc- uh, the school year for Lonzo had ended for his eighth grade year, uh, we, we brought him in. And here he is, not, not really even, you know, having spent much time with the guys, he somehow got, you know, the rest of the, you know, the, the players on the team to do uh, what what he wanted them to do, which was, you know, he knew he was going to get the rebound and he would kick the ball up ahead. And he just kind of, you know, had this thing about him that maybe it was just a little, you know, just a little, you know, a couple words uh, on the transition back on defense. And so he just had this way. He just really had this way. He wasn't very vocal until his senior year that I really noticed him uh, being much more vocal. And he was more vocal. He was vocal when he really needed to be. 
and then, you know, his uh, year at UCLA, you know, it was really cool to see him in the middle of the huddles, you know, uh, pregame and, you know, just stirring everybody up, um, you know, leading, leading, you know, that team up vocally, you know, um, uh, that was really cool to see because I think that he's definitely matured and knows what it, what it takes. But I don't think he's going to ever be a guy that's like LeVar, you know, uh, <laughs> just saying too much. He, he's very precise with what he says and w- with what he says, as you, you know, as you, as you guys may, you know, uh, pick up from his interviews. You know, he's going to say a little bit here and there, but he's going to get his point across quickly. So it sounds like he's, he's really come into his own as the years have gone on. And, you know, naturally just with um, you know, developing as a young man at this point, of course, he's going to feel a little bit more comfortable uh, in his own skin and the, the confidence is going to develop for sure. I was wondering, it could be like on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, 1 being extremely positive and encouraging and kind of embracing the team, 10 being more authoritative and intense and like kind of a Kobe Bryant type, <laughs> if you will. Where where would you place him on a spectrum like that, leadership-wise? You know, he's more, you know, uh, he's he, he, I would put him maybe – closer maybe like a four you know he's definitely a guy that's uh you know a positive guy um you know he's gonna be encouraged i'll tell you a quick story uh when he was in eighth grade i watched uh him play in his his first travel ball game and you know he i think he hit like 10 threes that game and he was you know playing and doing his thing and uh late in the game they were down one he had the ball um think there was about you know 10 15 seconds on the clock he drives and I'm thinking okay he's gonna you know shoot a shoot his shot you know in the lane and he passes it to a guy underneath the uh, basket wide open on the right side and uh, he misses and so the opponents get the rebound they have to you know Lonzo's team fouled they put you know them on the free throw line and um, the, the team calls a timeout and uh, he goes, the other team goes to the free throw line. They shoot the front end. They miss it. Lonzo rebounds it. He brings it down. Same scenario. He drives, and I'm thinking this time, you know, he's going to shoot it. But he passes it to the same guy in the same spot. <laughs> and this guy makes it again. I mean, makes it this time. And yeah. so I found out after the game that Lonzo went up to this kid during time, timeout and said, I'm going to get you the ball again. Be ready. And as an eighth grader, you know, doing this, I'm like thinking to myself, who is this kid? (laughs) You know, like to me, you know, my first description of him when I had to compare him, uh, when a reporter asked me, I said, Magic Johnson, you know, I never said Jason. I've never said Jason kid. And so, uh, uh, you know, just that type of action, you know, in, in interaction with his teammates, I'll tell you, you know, when I uh, coached the Ball is Life All-American game after senior year, you know, we have all these top-notch players from all over the nation. First day of practice, he's sitting on the bench, and everybody is coming up towards him. And they're, they pick up, you know, like they just, you know, have this uh, relationship, this interaction where they just all gravitate towards him. They're all, you know, they just have this special relationship. And then you hear, you know, somebody like Josh Jackson, 
after winning the McDonald's All-American MVP, his first words are, thank God for Lonzo Ball, you know, mm. you know, it's <laughs> like, you know, so when you gather all these different things together, he is a leader that his peers look up to. There's no question about it. Man, I'm getting goosebumps again. Harry's standing up. Ball is life. Um, Alan, Alan, go ahead. Yeah, so um, so that's the more you know positive side of leadership and him, like you said, encouraging his teammates and really lifting them up and putting in a position of confidence. I was also wondering, how does he resolve conflict? Is he the type of person who will compromise and, you know, you give a little, I'll give a little? Does he collaborate and, like, really strive for the absolute best solution? Does he avoid conflict? Is he confrontational? Or does he, you know, kind of accommodate in a sense? Yeah, right. You know, the thing about him that really um, prevents, you know, certain type of conflicts, you know, the kid is so smart. When he gets frustrated, it's when, you know, things are overcomplicated and uh things that don't make sense he'll he'll you know he'll roll with it for a bit but you could tell you know that you know if it's not working he'll let you know and uh you know he at the end of the day at the end of the game you'll know that he was trying to just simplify and get results like he, he obviously you know in his play he's not too flashy and he's not trying to you know uh there's no distraction there's no other motive other than trying to win the play win the game and if it's anything besides that you know uh people are going to find out yeah that was my bad because here's Lonzo just trying to you know do what was right um and so we've experienced a lot of that um he's definitely a firm believer in what he knows is uh, the right way to play basketball. And, you know, for example, if you're not, you know, making the extra pass, because, you know, he's making the extra pass. And if you're not, he's going to let you know, you know. And if it's a bad shot, you know, he's going to let you know. And so, like I said, he's not yelling or demonstrative. You know, it's a, a subtle little thing that that's his style, you know. And so um, I've never really seen him you know, have to deal with, you know, too much conflict because like I said, the kid is too, really, really smart and he, and he plays the right way the majority of the time. So he definitely seems like an effective communicator, right? Oh yeah. Awesome. He had, he, he was groomed to, uh, being a leader because, you know, when his dad, um, he's always called him the leader from day one because he's the oldest brother. And so, uh, when, when you see them playing, um, you know, these little youth games when they were young, you know, itty bitty kids, he was a kid that it always fell back on. If they lost, it, w- it was on him. You know, if they won, you know, he would put, you know, he wasn't, you know, proud, but he, you know, it was because of him. And he, you know, he was the one that they relied on to block shots, to be the backline defender if things broke down up front to get the rebounds, to make the right passes, to make the key shots. You know, he, he, he was the one that was relied on to do everything. So uh, it's not just the one or two year, you know, thing that he had to live up to. It was, 
his entire life of being told that he's a leader and groomed into being a leader. Right. And it almost seems like even just taking this away from basketball, that in a sense, you know, how they say in the workplace, you you treat your coworkers with respect, the proper amount of respect that they deserve. And you because he's not so vocal, because he treats people the right way, it almost puts the onus on his teammates to want to do better. Right. Oh, yeah. Just explaining that. So I think that's a really cool way to, you know, be a leader without necessarily being so vocal. You know, your actions speak louder than words. Right. And it seems like that's what happens on the basketball courts because I'm a giving person because I respect you. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening on on court play. And because of that, his teammates are almost heightened to this extra level of like, man, I want to be better, not only for myself, but because of this guy over here, he's much more talented than me, but he's giving sacrificing more for my sake. Right. So I I think that's really awesome. Yeah, no, he's, um, you know, he's a really, really unique individual. And I've talked to uh, a handful of different MBA, you know, um, front office people. And, uh, you know, I, I keep telling them that this kid is the most unique player that they may ever come across mm-hmm. uh, because of his, you know, upbringing, you know, is very unique. It's, it's, uh, Unlike anybody, I think uh, will ever you know go through. Um, they they you know obviously Lavar was a you know one that created you know all that, and um, you know the kid is it, just everything that that came together for him, his experiences, you know, being the firstborn, um, it just created a, a special individual, and. Um, you know, if he was, let's say, you know, the third born son, I don't think we would be talking about him like this. Uh, just everything that has come together as far as, you know, you know, him wanting to stay at Chino Hills and, and really be a guy that, you know, makes Chino Hills uh, a basketball powerhouse and not going to modern day because, you know, obviously he was recruited by all the different powerhouse sure. programs and, you know, you know, when, when I asked him, I said, you know, early on, you know, I know people are on you, you know, what, what, what's your desire? Do you want to go to these schools? And he goes, no, I want to stay here, you know, at Chino Hills. And so he had so much pride in that. And, you know, he, his desire, you know, to not want to play with, you know, the top notch travel ball clubs, but to play with his brothers, um, his desire to, you know, go to UCLA and not Duke, you know, even though UCLA was just horrible, you know, the worst <laughs> they, that season before, uh, you know, he got there, I think was their worst season in history, wasn't it? I'm pretty yeah, sure it was. So. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, just in, in the prior to that, it wasn't like they were that, you know, that great. I mean, I, I know that they had made the sweet 16 or something like that, but um, so for his desire to be in LA, and then his desire to be a Laker when, you know, things aren't that great at uh, UCLA, you know, I mean, at, uh, at the Lakerland, you <laughs> know, getting a little ahead of yeah, yourself, I know, coach. I know. <laughs> just kidding. This is something that we had discussed uh, when Lonzo was in high school that we kind of envisioned, okay, here's this guy putting Chino Hills on the map. Lakers aren't, re- I mean, the uh, Bruins aren't doing that great. It's all set up to where he's going to go in. Not, and I don't want to say you know he's a savior, but he's mm-hmm. an impact guy where he turns helps turns the program around. 
at UCLA. And then, then we go off to the next level and are envisioning, wow, what if, you know, he can get drafted by the Lakers Mm -hmm. and helps, you know, turn, uh, you know, that situation around. And so now that we're in this, uh, right, right about what a week away from the draft and the Lakers have an opportunity to get him. It's, it's like a storybook scenario. Yeah. Absolutely. And we could go for like an hour on the uh, what's intangibles, because it seems like, man, I'm just kind of getting caught up in just who he is as a person, like the social psych behind it all. Um, But I thought I'd turn it over to Tommy a little bit because Tommy has more on-court basketball scheme related questions to ask. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. So just to get to more tangible things, I think there's been a lot dissected um, of how Lonzo played at UCLA and like the types of sets they were running there. Uh, In terms of high school, though, all you really see in like the scouting reports and the old news reports is, oh, Lonzo Brawl brought his frenetic style from Chino Mm -hmm. Hills to UCLA. But in terms of just like more solid X's and O's, I mean, I'm not... Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know a lot about how high school basketball, you know, is different mm-hmm. than college in the, and obviously it's different than the NBA. But in terms of like sets and stuff that you guys were running at mm-hmm. Chino Hills, could you mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, we early on ran all sorts of different types of specials for Lonzo, uh, just to create a situation where he could come off a flare screen or on ball screen. Uh, we just realized that. He liked to play fast. And, you know, I'm a coach that believes more in uh, efficiency and not having to run a motion offense where we have to pass the ball four or five times before we look for a shot. You, sure. know, I, you know, I told the family, you know, I was a scoring point guard when I played. And um, I believe that, you know, if you have a, uh, somewhat of a scores mentality or at least you're a threat to score, now you have to guard all five guys. And so, um, you know, Lonzo, uh, early on, we really, really, really uh, wanted him to be uh, a scorer at times. But, you know, he was so ahead of the game as far as, you know, passing it early that we didn't have to run an offense a lot of the times. You know, we had athletes. Mm-hmm. Prior to the ball family, we had good athletes. We had good basketball players. And then when Lonzo came up as a freshman, you know, he was surrounded by a bunch of good athletes. So he realized that. And so he kicked the ball up ahead. And, you know, he really, uh, you know, set the set the pace, set the tone. Uh, we pushed the ball. We pressed. In, in high school basketball, you know, you really don't have to run, you know, too much of a you know, uh, an offense, a set offense, it goes against the grain of many, you know, traditional coaches because, you know, that's all they've known. And the thing about this situation that was very unique was you, uh, you can tell me to run a, uh, a traditional, you know, uh, structured offense, but you have to do that with, you know, more average players. Now we're discussing kids that, aren't very, you know, just or, uh, ordinary, they're extraordinary. And so you got to keep it simple for these guys. And, you know, the results speak for themselves, right. you know, um, at times, w- would I have wanted them to run a little something? Absolutely. You know, but, um, you know, at times, I think we did. And I, I think, um, you know, Lonzo's uh, sophomore year, when we were up at Etiwanda, we had to run uh, some set plays because Etiwanda was one of the premier you know, defensive teams. 
And so we did that. Lonzo was good with that, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, w- w- the next game, I, the funny thing is I watched, it was on uh, s- s- somebody's social me- media post, uh, our game versus Redondo prior to playing Stanley Johnson in, uh, at Modern Day. You know, I watched the clips of that. And, you know, Lonzo, Jello, we were running specific plays, you know, many, many times. And uh, uh, Lonzo, uh, it, it was different year to year because Lonzo's junior year, we had these, you know, different things that take, took place. We thought he was going to have his best, you know, supporting cast his junior year, but it was his least talent. It ended up being his least talented supporting cast. So we had to put Lonzo more as a scorer. So we put him, you know, uh, at the high post. And, um, you know, he, we had him create uh, a lot out of that situation where there was, you know, a screen away. He could hit the guy coming off the screen on the weak side. He could hit the back door guy uh, or he could drive, you know. And so um, that, that put us in a position to win state. You know, we beat Corona Centennial mm-hmm. in the uh, SoCal Regional where they were loaded. They were, you know, they had five, six Division One players. We had two, you know. And so uh, Lonzo just took over, you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in that game. And then his senior year, now we're talking about just it, it was the talent was ridiculous. You know, like you could not – you had LaMelo that could go for 30 ending night. Jello could go for 30, 40 ending night. You had Big O who could, you know, score 20. Eli, now you have Lonzo. There's nobody that you can help off of. If you if you showed mm-hmm. any sort of help, it was you're paying the price, you know. Because when a shot goes up, you have two of the best, three of the best rebounders, you know. Actually, four, if, including Jello. Physically, it was just you know every game we were at an advantage, and so uh, we played at the craziest, fastest pace. Um, and we, you know, prior to that year, you know, I sat Lonzo and said, what do you, you know, what are you thinking? I think we got to run a couple different sets, but the majority of what we do, I, I think, you know, we got to go, go with our strengths. And he goes, uh, yeah, I agree with that, you know, because now you're talking about four out of the five guys that have played this style for 10 years, as opposed to, you know, four years. So Melo coming up being that he was just a freshman it wasn't like he wasn't learning a new system. He this system was already ingrained in him, and so that's why we went to that crazy, fast-paced, frenetic style. Because even if we put up a bad shot, we already knew we we're going to get the rebound, and um, right. you know, allowing Lonzo to have freedom. You know, as a senior, he deserved it. You know, if he was a guy that wasn't making the right decisions, obviously we would have had to run a more structured offense, but here's a guy that has the, you know, people are considering, you know, one of the best playmakers, in know, in what the last couple decades, you know, I mean, that, I mean, in high school basketball, you got to let him flourish. And so that's, that's kind of what we did. There were a couple games that things weren't going so well, like the Bishop Montgomery game. Um, we were down and Jello wasn't shooting the ball. Well, Lonzo had his worst shooting, uh, night of the, his career, nobody was playing, and we called the timeout. And I said, the guy that I think is going to have um, a, a mismatch 
if we can get him on a pick and roll, is going to be Onyeka, our center. And Lonzo realized that you're right. And so if you watch that game, we went to him on the roll, and that saved us that game because we could have lost that game easily. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about it is, you know, people are going to say, oh, it's all the ball family. But if you look at that game, you know, it'll prove you wrong. It'll pay, prove all the naysayers wrong. We did run stuff. And then, you know, when we played them again in the SoCal Regional, um, it, we did the same thing. Onyeka as a freshman on the pick and pop, pick and roll, he opened up so much for us. And on top of that, you know, the, our guys were finally shooting the way they should have. You know, we were up 30 on Bishop Montgomery. And then our, our uh, playoff run where we won on an average of, you know, 20 against, you know, some of the top 10 teams in the nation, that proves to, you know, all the different people that we actually play defense. If you want to, you know, dissect those games, right. we played defense. Uh, we, we ran some stuff when we needed to. And it just was, it was fun. It was, it was a really cool, uh, playoff run, you know, obviously be, yeah. Yeah. So it, it sounds like you guys were playing an extremely, extremely fast pace for high school. And obviously the jump in speed from high school to college is, is pretty big. And then from college to the NBA is probably even bigger. Um, because of Lonzo's, how would you evaluate Lonzo's play today? I'm sure you watched him. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't, but I'm sure you watched him fairly closely at UCLA. And how do you think he'll fit in the modern NBA? And and uh, I don't know if you've read any scouting reports or mm-hmm. analysis of him. And I was just wondering also if you agree with the assessment of his uh, strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, you know, um, I think, uh, oh, well, first off, I, 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 I watched every single game. You know, I, I went to more UCLA <laughs> games than I've ever been in my life, you know. And so, uh, and then when I couldn't, I definitely uh, watched it on TV. And, uh, you know, I would text him, you know, saying great job here and there. And then, you know, there are some moments where, you know, I, I know for me, I have my, you know, opinions on what his strengths and weaknesses are and, you know, what I feel like he needs to improve on. And, you know, it, it does match up with, you know, some of the other, uh, you know, scouts that are analyzing him. Um, but, you know, what I kind of tend to um, also pick up is that, you know, some of these uh, analysis are just kind of general, you know, feeding off of other people's perceptions. And and so I think that, you know, his, his three-point shot has really, really improved. And we really saw that his uh, senior year. Uh, he was becoming a lot more consistent. His work ethic really picked up with that. And so for him to shoot that well, that um, high percentage was, uh, you know, uh, was really good to see. Um, I would have loved to have seen him, you know, drive the ball more and create more on the drive. But the the offense wasn't really geared towards that uh, at UCLA. You know, they ran more of a motion. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I saw him just uh, finding guys off a, uh, off a screen, running off a screen. And, and so, um, you know, I would have loved to see a little bit more pick and roll action, uh, a little bit more, you know, him, you know, actually posting up and creating out of the post as a big guard, mm. you know. And so, you know, his pull-up game 
it, the funny thing about that is uh, when I first saw him shoot the ball, we had him do a drill, a drill where he shot a pull-up. Going to his right, his his form was perfect. You know, we talk about all about his form. Mm-hmm. Um, going to his right, his form was perfect. And I, that's what I noticed as a, as, a, as, as a coach, you know. And then going to his left, he brought the ball over to his left side a little bit more. And, um, you know, either way, you know, I think, you know, what I re- recognized, you know, back then was that his, his release and his touch were, were what was going to set him apart and make him successful as a shooter. So, right. you know, going back to his strengths and weaknesses, you know, a lot of what they do in the NBA is obviously pick and roll. And um, I think, you know, he's been working on that from what I've uh, heard. And I think, you know, he needs to be a guy that's going to have to be uh, a little bit more of a scoring threat so that they don't just, uh, you know, match up one-on-one. You know, the point of a pick and roll is to create some sort of double to free up the roller, the pop, you know, guy. And so... If he can, you know, truly establish himself there, I think everything else, and then also in the post, and then have a little bit more of a mid-range uh, game, I, I think. Now you're talking about a guy that's going to be, you know, uh, he's going to have all sorts of strengths. And, uh, you know, he's young. So it's not like he's not going to develop. Right. You know, now you see, you know, guys like Ibaka, Serge Ibaka, who, who can, who, and then Al Horford, who are three-point shooting threats, if they can do it, how come Lonzo couldn't improve on some of those strengths? You right. know, so uh, that's one thing that I hope, you know, the Lakers really know that, you know, going into the draft, he's going to get better. I mean, here's a guy that's going to be, I think, more driven and more hungry than, to me, you know, anybody else he's going to improve on those weaknesses. And if you turn those weaknesses mm-hmm. into strengths, now you're talking about a guy with, you know, the full package, you know? Right. So I have a question on, you mentioned something earlier about utilizing his post game. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on, obviously it seems like he had some sort of semblance of a post game in high school, but do you, how, how did that look like? And do you see him being able to translate that over to the NBA? And you said, like, going to his right, he can pull mm. up for a mid-range jump shot. Is Was it more an issue for you that more of UCLA's system that didn't allow him to showcase that? And do you think that once he's in the NBA and there's more pick-and-roll action and more action where he's in that no-man's land that he'll mm-hmm. easily be able to adjust? Yeah, you know, he's he knows. Uh, I think his game is more built for the NBA, to be honest with you. Um you know, just the, 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 how efficient, you know, he plays NBA, you know, it, it's a numbers game. It's about efficiency. So, you know, because of that, I think his game is more built for the NBA. And, uh, you know, being that he's six six, you know, he's going to develop that post game. Um, he knows that. And, um, you know, because he's so skilled and because he's so smart, that's one of the most dangerous places to be, you know, when you got your best playmaker in the post, you know, as long as it, he can uh, uh, prove that he's a, that he can score there, which I know he can because of his touch and his, you know, footwork. Now you add a guy that can make the right passes to the, you know, cutters to the guys that are filling in at the three point line. Now, you know, it's a triple threat, 
you know, where, right. you know, you, you have, you can't help, you know. And so if Lonzo could really establish that he can score in the post and, you know, now, you know, the teams have to double team him, it, it's, it's over, you know, uh, for, for these uh, opponents. And um, the people, the thing that people don't talk about too much is his, um, his uh, speed and, you know, free throw line to free throw line. Um, he is one of the fastest kids I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. people don't talk about that enough, you know, so he has the ability, you know, to push the ball and, and you have to play him. So if he can do it a little bit more to where it's causing the defense to really focus in on him, now it's going to open up the three point, you know, shooting. So th- that's another, uh, to me, in my opinion, uh, you know that that's that's another way to be a, a, a post um, you know a post driven you know a post focus type of it's not the tradi- you don't always have to do the traditional post up back you down it's sure. uh driving the lane and get in the paint and then look to create so you, now you got a guy that can do that um, right. and then you know the thing that sets all that up is his ability to rebound now you're talking about a mm-hmm. six six guy that has the instincts that has proven to me against guys like, you know, O'Kill that it has proven to me against, you know, six, nine, six, 10, six, 11, that he has had games of 20 rebounds, you know, and he was an effective rebounder and not only an effective rebounder, like that's his, you know, that's the, everything that he's trying to do, get a steal or get a rebound when he's on defense. Um, because he does, the reason why he wants to do that, is because it's faster than getting an outlet. Right. You know, so now you're talking about, you know, a guy that has that to me could be the best rebounder, the best rebounding point guard who can, you know, now you add another element, you know, NBA teams have to know that, you know. Yeah. Um, now we've, we've always said like, you know, Lonzo Ball is almost like a point guard version of Ben Simmons, right? Just getting the rebound and going straight down or even his um, awareness on defense and his space and being able to get out into those passing lanes and really just, you know, jam it down the defense's throat is really incredible. And yeah, I just really like your insight in terms of, you know, the different ways you can be a good post-up player without necessarily backing down. And you mentioned footwork, which is which I'm excited to, you know, uncover and mm-hmm. unveil mm-hmm. more in the NBA. Um, to close our show, I thought we'd talk a little bit more about the Lakers. So Alan, uh, if you want to ask Steve. Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you happen to naturally be a Laker fan growing up here in Southern <laughs> California. <laughs> uh, absolutely. absolutely. There we go. There we absolutely. go. I, did, I, I didn't, I did not want to hear any of that Clippers. No, <laughs> so thank no, God. <laughs> no. You know, the funny thing is um, I had this uh, NBA store gift card. And uh, it was given to me, I, gosh, by a, a former player at Arcadia. And mm. I didn't use it this whole, uh, what, from 2006, heaven, till this year. Wow. And so I just randomly came across it, and uh, I just ended up buying a Laker hat. And nice. so uh, the funny thing is, um, you know, I uh, wore it to one of Lonzo's UCLA games. <laughs> and... Um, you know, I ran into LeVar, and LeVar goes, are you telling me something I don't know? And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I hope. 
you know, I hope. <laughs> it's prophetic, coach. It's prophetic, man. <laughs> you know what's cool is uh, you, we were at uh, one of the Wooden Awards. Uh, I think it was Lonzo's uh, senior year. And we were at, you know, the Wooden Award uh, event is at Staples uh, or right next to Staples. And so I, I, I happened to ask Lonzo, you know, hey, you know, if you could, where, where's your dream, you know, uh, NBA team? I'm, I was thinking the Clippers at the time um, that, you know, I thought that he had mentioned, but he goes, no, it's, it's the Lakers. Mm. And so I'm like thinking to myself at that moment, there's no way, you know, I don't, I, I can't see the Lakers getting that high of a draft pick. You know, I, I don't think it'll work, you know, but as things were kind of unfolding and now that, you know, they, you know, they obviously didn't have the best season. It just started, you know, kind of, becoming more and more of a reality to where now where it's like, if they don't make this move, I I don't think I'm going to be a Laker fan anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. No, that is awesome. And maybe if you still have some money left on your NBA store card, then you can actually get Alonzo Ball jersey, Lakers jersey, and then it'll all come full circle, right? (laughs) He he better just give me one. That's... (laughs) (laughs) No, true, true. So how do you see Lonzo fitting in with this Laker team as constructed? Yeah, you know, uh, I think it, it'll be exactly what they need, you know, exactly what they need. And, you know, um, they want to run. Luke Walton is a guy that, you know, wants to play fast. He's a player's coach. So I see Lonzo and him really developing a great relationship. Um, not that Lonzo wouldn't, you know, with any other coach, but right. just the dynamics of who Luke is and the style of play and the dynamics of the team. You know, I I think it's a perfect, uh, you know, fit. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, lastly, do you have a specific Lonzo Ball fondest memories, whether it's on the court, off the court? You may have already even mentioned it. But if there's just anything that really sticks out to you as like one of those things you're going to cherish forever, what would it be? You know, uh, I definitely mentioned some of them. But one thing that... Uh, you know, I definitely want to share is that, uh, you know, he's such a good kid. He's such a good person. And, um, you know, uh, I, I, um, you know, his, uh, sophomore year, uh, going into his junior year during the summer, we, uh, we had a tragic, uh, event that took place in, in our, in our community. Uh, our center, Namdia Kongwu, um, died, died in a, in a, in a, in an accident during that summer. And, um, you know, they, they were best friends, you know, they were best friends, you know, growing up and they were looking forward to, uh, you know, that next year, um, you know, there was so much excitement that year for that year. And, um, you know, for him to go through the loss of his, uh, one of his best friends, um, and, and and then from there, you know, just I, I, I was out of town and I called him over the phone and I said, hey, uh, you know, Zoe, um, I really need you to be, you know, Namdi's younger brother, Onyeka. He happened to be in like sixth or seventh grade at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, I really need you to be his older brother. I need you to take him under, you know, your wing and, you know, uh, be that guy for him, be that support group for him. And they have a special relationship, you know, now that has developed, you know, 
um, it, it was amazing that after losing Namdi, uh, it, there was a full, full circle, you know, uh, scenario where, you know, Lonzo, Lonzo's junior year, we had some major disappointments. We lost in, uh, obviously lost uh, one of our most special, you know, uh, teammates and players that I've ever coached. Um, and then, you know, we, we dedicated that season to, you know, winning state for Nandi and we get to the, you know, state championship game and, you know, um, Lonzo was so driven. I tell you, I mean, he mm-hmm. was so driven to winning this game for him. And, um, you know, he played out of his mind the game before to get to the state championship game. And he just, uh, he had 30 points, you know, in the state championship game, there's three minutes left and he was just so driven in that game where he's playing, I think a little too fast. Mm. He fouls out, you know, with three minutes to go. He had 30 points at the time and we were up and we ended up losing double overtime And that whole year you know, that we have to wait, um, you know, to get, try to get back to the state championship game. Mm. It, it was, you know, uh, it was so special one because we have, we have, we picked up, uh, Namdi's younger brother Onyeka as a freshman. So he filled that spot, you know, mm-hmm. that Namdi would have played. And to do it and to finally win it with him, you know, uh, it was so special. I mean, just, you know, yeah. you know, amazing situation. That's very, uh, like a, almost like a very powerful redemption story. Yeah. So that's, that's honestly really cool to hear and yeah. very powerful stuff. Before we let you go, uh, unfortunately, we have to end with this. But no, we'll, we'll, turn it, <laughs> we'll turn it back around. Sure. But I wanted to get the big baller elephant out of the room as well. Uh, <laughs> of Levar Ball. Yeah. Uh, quickly, if you could describe, I guess, how much of a distraction was he, if he was at all, when you were Lonzo's coach? And I guess, do you agree with Lavar's methods of promotion or are you able to separate the sensationalist side of things from what you've observed and experienced firsthand from them on a personal level. Sure, sure. You know, yeah, um, he, you know, at times was overbearing, you know, um, but, you know, we had a relationship even prior to uh, Lonzo being at uh, Chino Hills. You know, we had, you know, through two, three years of a relationship where, you know, he would come to the camp, we would talk basketball. And so, what many people kind of observed, and I did, and I should have done a better job of this. Um, I did give Lavar uh, more of a closer uh, role than other parents because of, mm-hmm. you know, my you know relationship, you know, with them. But I didn't know at that time that it was going to be perceived as him, you know, having input, uh, having control. You know, um, I should have done a better job of that. And I didn't. I, 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 and that rubbed people the wrong way. And, um, you know, LeVar is going to be LeVar. He doesn't care about what anybody else thinks. Um, you know, he's, he's just going to do what he thinks is right. And, um, you know, there's not going to be, you know, any form of hiding or regret, you know, on his end. But from his standpoint, I know who he is. I know where his, you know, uh, what his heart's about. And, you know, he's a family man, as most people have come to know. And that's what I am. And we sh- we talk a lot about that. You know, we talk a lot sure. about, you know, how to raise my boys and just giving me, you know, pointers um, with that. And uh, so we we do have a close relationship. It's not just basketball. It's not what, right. what perception, you know, makes us out to be. 
because there are a lot of people that were rubbed the wrong way and, you know, they're going to make up stories. And, you know, he's a guy that supported me. You know, he's a guy, you know, he could have taken his kids and gone anywhere else, but he chose to go with me. And um, so, you know, we still talk. So, you know, a lot of what he says and what he does is not different. You know, now people have put him up on a platform, put a mic to his face, put a TV camera to his face. And now people get to see, you know, who, uh, you know, LeVar Ball is. But I think obviously knowing that he's kind of, I I will say that, you know, he's a smart guy. He's a smart business guy. Mm -hmm. He's not going to lose out on a marketing opportunity. I'll just (laughs) say that, you know, Uh, but at the end of the day, I know who he is deep down inside. He's a guy, he's a great father. He's a great husband. And uh, he's somebody that's genuine to me yeah. because he's not going to put up a front and act different. People don't like him, obviously. And he knows that and he's still going to be who he is, right? So uh, uh, that's, yeah, that's pretty much what I could say about him. I guess, do you see any, I mean, do you have any concerns, especially if Lonzo Ball becomes a Laker with mm-hmm. the increased exposure? Mm-hmm. Do you see him taking a, I mean, maybe it's idealistic of me to be like, maybe this is all just, you know, him hyping it up. And once he gets Lonzo Ball to become a Laker, then he'll take a step back because his job is quote unquote done. And he, that's the pinnacle, right? Sure. Or do you see the increased pressure and everything like only heightening that and heightening the brand? But do you think he'll be respectful also? Also of the fact that, okay, you know, my son has a full-time job now and yeah. there are boundaries that I have to be wary of. Sure. Absolutely. I think that um, he, I know that he, he's not going to be, you know, uh, a distraction because he wasn't a distraction at UCLA. You know, right. he wasn't calling Alford when things were going bad. You know, he, you know, from beginning to end, you know, he said that, you know, he, he has entrusted uh, Alford with Lonzo. And he's done that completely. And so being that this is now the NBA and Alonzo's his own man now, he's going to do that even more, you know, because, uh, you know, I think that, you know, Alonzo, like I said, is his own man and he can go his own direction if he wanted to, you know, uh, because he's not going to be under the support of his father anymore. So he knows that. And, you know, not only has LaVar, you know, talked and uh, communicated that, you know, to me, that's that's the impression that I've gathered and that's what I think will take place. You know, he's not going to be a distraction. Now you're talking about guys that have proven themselves over and over again, you know, on the court and off the court, like, you know, Magic Johnson. When you got a guy like that, you know, uh, LeVar just knows, you know, it's hands off. Right, right. And that's, and that's awesome. That's great to hear. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much, Steve, for coming on and just giving us, you know, so much anecdotes and being so candid with us. This is like really great. We didn't think we'd get all of this out of you, but hey, we're oh, not really? complaining. <laughs> it's really, really good insight and really good to contextualize everything because all we hear is, you know, what the media gives us and right. whatever Twitter, whatever people are saying. So I guess to close this out, hype us up one more time. Tell us what Lakers fans can expect from Lonzo Ball and just send us out on a good note, Coach. Yeah, you know, the Lakers. Lakers obviously, you know, see what what Laker basketball can look like with Lonzo, and I think the best comparisons, you know, of uh, you know uh, former or current, you know, NBA players, you know, would be to me Magic Johnson. He just has that special it factor, and uh, I, you know, he's proven that he can uh, change, uh, you know, programs. 
you know, he's done that at UC, uh, Chino Hills. He's done that at UCLA, and that's his goal. And, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, the, all I can think about, to be honest with you, is, you know, when LeBron went back to Cleveland and he, you know, after he won the championship, when he screamed out, you know, Cleveland, there was mm-hmm. something deeper than just winning an NBA championship. There's, sure. you know, the, the aspect of him doing it for the city of Cleveland. You know, and to me, you know, when Lonzo's desire, his track record and his desire to be a Laker, you know, it, it's similar to that. You know, it's deeper than just being in the NBA. It's deeper than just, you know, trying to win games. You know, he's trying to do it for the city of L.A. And so now you got a homegrown talent, you know, uh, a guy that's, you know, proven it over and over again. You know, NBA magic. You know, Palenka, we got to get it done. We got to get it done. You know, get this guy who's the most similar player to you in a long time. You know, we got to get Lonzo to be a Laker. And so the Celtics better not just, you know, spoil everything. You know what I'm saying? They better not come in and throw a wrench at the whole thing. But uh, we can make this happen. I think the the Lakers, you know, trend of losing games is is going to change. And we're going to be in the upswing. Awesome. Coach, you got me so excited, man. You're speaking it into existence. Absolutely. And I love it. Thank you so much for putting Arcadia on the map, too. Uh, it's great. It's, it's great. been on the map, but, you know. Yeah, it, no, it, for it, sure. More on the map for good Asian food. Right, but right. I mean, <laughs> In band. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so thank you again so much for jumping on the Lakers Legacy. We really appreciate it, and we value your time. And, you know, your, even your baby son is, is getting lit for Lonzo. So um, it's, it's <laughs> exactly. great. So, yeah, thank you so much. And, you know, we look forward to rooting on Lonzo Ball as a Laker with you for the foreseeable future. And maybe we'll even catch you at a game sometime or something like that. Awesome, so. awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Look forward to catching up with you guys. Thank you. Hail alma mater, the Cardinal, and the Gold. That's right. (laughs) Go Apaches, right? There you go. Go Apaches. Go, go. 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 (laughs) All right. Thanks, Coach. We'll catch you later. Thanks, Coach. Take care, guys. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. 
exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opre ski scene and award winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com.